No! No one help him! Next on HBO, it's uh, oh, fuck, oh, Tremors fuck. Two. It's Tremors Two. What is it? But Go before, ahead, name another one. But before that, Rudyard Kipling. Wrong. But before that, it's Mr. Show here on HBO because it's the nineties. Oh. I didn't know it was HBO. Yeah. Oh yeah, you didn't know that. I think it just like had big MTV energy for me. That's, oh my god, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, this is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. I'm your other host, Bess Corzato, who was in the middle of swallowing his beer, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're doing late night uh, Into It pod nights. I know uh, we had just said it was our latest one with Frank Zappa, but this one is even later, and also it's St. Patrick's Day, so what up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to get uh, wet and wild, and joining us to get <laughs> wet and wild, you know who we are. It's fine. We're joined today by Brian Musil. What up, Brian? I want to allow you to start talking. Hello, everybody. Uh, you know, you know Brian from uh, the sketch team Tantrum, and uh, all over the the Pack Theater. Um, yeah, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Just in case there's anybody who hasn't listened before, I guess we should introduce ourselves. I am I am your host Beth Scorzato, <laughs> and I'm your other host Brandon Beck. And uh, we are here to talk about our uh, problematic faves, though before that, we're going to talk about a thing we're into this week. Don't worry, I won't go first. <laughs> ah, damn. Yeah, I, th- I thought, you know what? You thought you had it. You thought you were ready. I did. I, I was psyched. Yeah, I really did. So the thing I'm into uh, this week is... And yet you still were ready to go. I, I was. Um... You know, as I was saying the words, I realized what I was going to talk about. The thing I'm into this week is the podcast Anime Sickos, uh, which is... Did you just Google the word sicko because of Snowpiercer and you found this podcast? No, but their use of the word sicko was highly influential in my starting to refer to that show as Sicko Train. Train go sicko mode, I believe. That the train went sicko mode, yeah. Uh, Anime Sickos is a podcast hosted by these... uh, two guys uh and it covers the four pillars of modern misery which is anime posting gaming and jobs um and they're just they're just really funny and they have a really uh specific uh energy between the two of them and they usually will just like go break down some bonkers anime that they've seen uh and just talk about how bonkers it is, but also why that rules. Okay. Like, old stuff, new stuff, the gamut? All all over the place. Okay. Um, they've done episodes uh, about um, My Hero Academia, uh, Tower of God. Um, they just recently did, like, a cooking episode that covered Delicious in Dungeon, which uh, Kendra mentioned a couple months ago as a as a thing they were into uh which side note I've also started reading and is fucking great 
Um, it's basically Final Fantasy uh, if instead of hunting monsters for loot, they were hunting monsters to cook them and make, like, Studio Ghibli-looking dinners. And it's really good. All right. But yeah, Anime Sickos, um, it's a, a real real good podcast. They they have a trilogy, at least, of episodes where they talk about some sort of, some like canonical wife guy posts on Twitter um, that are, that don't have much to do with anime, but they have everything to do with posting. And if you wanted to start somewhere, if, uh, those are maybe a good one to start with because they set up a lot of kind of like running jokes and also like it's just a really good uh you know it's it's them at their best really um oh and they're uh one of their their theme song is is just them is just somebody going sycamore 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 so i've i've just been walking around the house for oh god at least two months now it's going sycamore 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 how have i never heard that keep it in your head keep it keep it in your head it's private it's it's usually in my head. It, I really I actually really got into this show when you were gone for a couple weeks. So <laughs> you probably missed missed it when it was at its most like Martin Sheen at the top of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Just me alone in the house. Sycamore, 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 Park Slope. Shit. No, not Park Slope. We don't live in fucking Park Slope anymore. No, not in a long time. I, I never lived in Park Slope. Yeah, you know, you live, we lived, you lived in Park Slope yeah, for uh, we for... lived in Gowanus. We told our parents we lived in Park Slope because it sounded better than the word Gowanus. <sighs> Fair. Um, so yeah, anime sickos, uh, check them out. All right, all right, all right. I got one. I figured one out. It's like I don't know. It's nicer for me than usual, but I'm into my local buy nothing group. <laughs> um, they have especially in this past year has been like really rad for both being able to like get rid of things in the house as we've realized that like we're rapidly running out of space and also to like find things sometimes that we need like we just got a really nice new shower caddy out of it and I'm really excited and I think it's cool that in the midst of a pandemic like the buy nothing community has like really grown and flourished and like now they're going to be launching an app and like I don't know I think that's rad I think that level of community building and like helping your neighbors and committing to like not buying things from Amazon if you don't have to is really cool I know we also have some other groups similar groups like we're in a group called Apocalypse Trading Post with like a lot of other friends from the theater and like I just think that's a really cool concept and if you have a local buy nothing group I suggest you go check it out though at the moment you do have to be on Facebook for it but hey they're building an app you can go to their website and get on their beta testing I gotta pet this cat y'all the podcast is here per usual yeah I don't know I don't know much about anime I don't know much about New York uh, I don't know much about buy nothing communities but boy I know cats guys don't, don't know much about, about science book, science book. <laughs> is that what you're going to say god damn it <laughs> ah I, I too know about cats. Cats are great. Cats are great. The first act, the first half of cats is is I think no, the stronger absolutely half. Absolutely not. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Anything you're into this week? Uh, you know i I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption uh, because I I didn't allow myself to play video games for a long time. Uh, like once I started doing comedy, I was like I can't because I'll play it all day. So now sure. the last like six months, I haven't had shit going on. So um, I like I've been playing online for the first time, which is really fun. The new one, right? Uh, Red yeah. Dead Two, or okay. yeah, yeah, <clears throat> it's great. Um, and then I also have been listening to this, or I just finished this podcast called uh, Narcos Eighty about this bank robbery in Narcos in 1980, 
um, that essentially was like what prompted the police to get militarized because uh, it was these oh. four dudes with ARs who just like robbed a bank and then ran up into the mountains and they killed like six or seven cops and a couple and a couple civilians and uh, after that that's when like the cops were like we need bigger stronger weapons and that's how they kind of used that to get those damn so it was interesting um and weird kind of sad yeah i'm into shit like that though yeah that yeah. sounds sounds like like sicario yeah which is a fucking great movie um good reference beck go ahead brandon transition that Segway that, my dude. Speaking of uh, Sicario, how about some sketch cameo? No, huh? Uh, no, that was that was pretty close. It was it was it it did need some work. Um, you, you know what's sick? What the sketches on Mister Show? Oh, there it is. There you go. I mean, it's better. <laughs> yeah, it's still not good. They're still not great, but, um, you know, they can't all be zingers. So, Mr. Show. You know what drugs reminds me of? That weird porn shop sketch. Oh, the ghost of pornography. We'll get to the ghost of pornography eventually. Oh, boy. Um, Mr. Show. So, Brian, do you want to explain uh, what Mr. Show is and sort of how you, you came to it? Uh, Mr. Show is a sketch comedy television show that was on HBO in the uh, early, mid-90s. Um, I didn't know about it when it was airing. Um, I never really had HBO, but I saw a David Cross stand-up special and um, started looking into his stuff. And I found this show called Mr. Show with Bob and David, but it was not on DVD yet. So I actually paid somebody like 120 bucks to give me like four old CD-ROMs that had like AVI files of all the shows on it. Hell yeah. And I spent yeah like 120 bucks on these discs and then like three months later they all came out on dvd for like 60 bucks for the set and i was like Fuck. i wonder if they looked better than the real the real player show the real player uh files i watched them on <laughs> it didn't it didn't look great um it was definitely like low quality but the jokes were all there um yeah it was it, uh for the record it was from 95 to 98 okay 95, 96, 97, 98, four seasons, and it launched the careers of a lot of people people know today. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, an, like an absurd amount of, of people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Scott Ackerman, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, Tom Sarah Kenny, Silverman, Jack Black, Sarah Karen Silverman. Kilgariff, Tom Kenny, <laughs> Brian yeah. Hossein. Yeah, it's uh, Tenacious D. Yeah, yeah, I said, well, I said Jack Black, oh, but yeah. yes. <laughs> Both of them. And yeah, and then it... it was renewed a few years ago and they did another three episodes or something for Netflix. Um, which I was kind of like, Oh no, it's going to be not great. But I think that the new three episodes were on par with the rest of the show. They were pretty good. I thought. Yeah. I was of all of the shows that got revived over the sort of like, you know, let's revive everything wave. This was the one that I had the most like emotional investment in. Yeah. And was like, Oh, thank God it's good. Yeah. And like it, it's, it's, a, and they, they've even copped this. It's a little bit less precious than Mr. Show was mm -hmm. like, you can tell that they still gave a shit, but not to the point of it, like kind of getting in the way of it being funny. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've definitely heard rumors about like in the writer's room, there being a lot of, um, contention and, and people arguing and figuring stuff out. But I mean, I don't know. I also feel like if you're making anything at that high level, um, 
there's going to be a lot of differences of opinion and uh, people should be passionate about it. Oh, totally. Sorry, I was busy looking at Jay Johnston's Wikipedia page to see if somebody had added that he was at the fucking insurrection yet, and they haven't. <laughs> Not to bring that up, but I just had to check because he was on this show. <laughs> it was it was going to come up eventually. Uh, yeah. God, that sucked. That bummed me out so fucking bad. Yeah. But hey, nobody else in this show was, nobody else in this cast was a shithead, so let's talk about how them, because they've all gone on to do great things. PFT wasn't out there trying to uh, storm the Capitol. Including a lot of other people that were like frequent people. Scott Atzit was on it a couple times. Oh yeah, he was, wasn't he? Uh, Jerry Miner was on it a couple times. What up? So, Brian, if you could- yeah. Just like if you could describe like sort of what a Mister Show episode entails. Uh, well, it, it starts with an opening. Somebody, I think it was usually Mary Lynn Rice Cub. I know it did. It did vary, but I think she did it more than anybody. She did it for the first two seasons, okay, and then her and David Cross broke up. <laughs> Is that what happened? Oh no! That's li- that's literally what happened, and they say oh. that on the commentary multiple times. <laughs> oh man, I didn't know that. That's weird. Yep. Um, I mean, she's still doing great. She did fine. Oh uh, yeah, she she got that twenty four money rolling in. Whatever. Yeah. He's married to Amber Tamblin now, so that's a whole other situation. Um. Yeah. So this is someone would introduce. It's here tonight. It's Bob and David, or something like that. And then uh, they would introduce the show, and then it would usually each sketch would bleed into the next one, and then hopefully, like at the end of it, it would loop back around. It was presented in the overarching format of like a stage show too, right? They would like always open on stage talking to like an actual comedy club audience and then yeah. come back there at the end. The first two seasons were like shot in a restaurant. Huh. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the name of the place, but like there's a there's a moment in the first episode where like uh Bob breaks characters and it's like and we're shooting in a fucking restaurant and it pans over and you can just see the menu. Oh no, that's that's yeah, that's David Cross at uh when he's doing Ronnie Dobbs. Oh, you're right. It is David. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it's the first episode, right? It's, it's, it is. Uh, yes, the pilot. Yeah, and um, and they had like they'll have video sketches, but they do a lot of sketches in front of the live audience too. Yeah, it was it was a it was a pretty equal mix of live stuff and film stuff that still had a laugh track to it because it yeah, was yeah. 1995. Yeah, I think it like you know it, it kind of differentiated itself from most sketch shows because most of the sketches led into like the next sketch and there wasn't a lot of like blackouts or um, like end scene. It was always just kind of like on to the next thing. Weird transition videos. Yeah. 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 Which is one of the harder parts about showing a Mr. Show sketch to someone. Oh, for sure. Cause you have to be like, okay, the, it, the beginning is not going to make any sense. Don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. Uh, and then, or same thing at the end where it's like, okay, this, the sketch kind of ends and then there's this whole other, and then it t- becomes Cockring Warehouse, but don't worry about Cockring Warehouse. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to show you this one thing. This, These yeah. three jokes don't make any sense. Um, <laughs> Which I think, I, I think Money Python was the only other TV sketch show that really did that. I, yeah, I can't think of another one. Um, that did, uh, but that being said, also like there are a, a ton of of Mister Show sketches that do absolutely like stand on their own. Um, oh yeah, most and, of them do. Yeah, um, and you, I think it's even it's kind of obvious what they kind of used to shoehorn in stuff and what was like. Oh, that was a sketch that somebody was like, "This is going in the show. How can we attach to it or 
bounce off of it. Like a lot, a lot of the transitional sketches sort of feel like a blackout sketch almost. Sure. Where it's like, here's just like a funny character that we'd like to see for 30 seconds or like, here's a dumb pun. Sure. One actually, one of the first things I learned when I moved to LA was just how many Mr. Show characters were named after streets in oh, yeah. like the middle part of Hollywood. Yeah. Um. Like, De- like there's a sketch about a a, we- a weather person named DeLongpre Dannon, and I'm like, oh, like the street. <laughs> okay, wild. Yeah, so funny. They kind of like walked the line of like inside jokes that were still funny to people who weren't in on it anyway. If that makes sense. Yeah, like it, it very much felt like it had its its own sort of like its own sensibility and its own sort of little universe, um, yeah. especially because it would usually circle back to Bob and David in the theater at the end of the episode. So they all like they kind of felt like heralds in a way. Oh, totally. But like in a kind of less self-conscious way than, uh, say, the UCB show did. Yeah. Uh, which like actively tried to use the Herald format, but uh, I, don't, I never thought that was a particularly good show to begin with. I mean, I I always enjoyed that show as well, but it, it's it's a very different sort of like. Whereas they're like the three A, B, and C, and then you bring them all together. Mister Show was like A one, A two, B one, B. That's not even right. Oh yeah, no, Mister Show. They was just all new stuff. Yeah. Um, and they had, they had like some recurring characters and stuff, but not very frequently. Yeah. Like, like they sort of actively tried not to. Yeah. And like the ones that they did, like they, uh, they have Ronnie Dobbs, who's a David Cross character. Who's just this, like, he's like every redneck guy that gets arrested on cops. Yeah. Um, who somehow becomes like a superstar. And then the Mr. Show movie was about that character, but the less said about the Mr. Show movie, the better. I actually don't dislike the Mr. Show movie. I know it's it's not like a great movie, but I think I think for, for how much uh, problems there seems to have been with Bob and David and the director, um, that movie's got a lot of funny in it still. And it actually one of my favorite things, speaking of like their their blackout kind of segues, is uh, Bob Odenkirk sitting in a bar and he looks up at the TV and it just goes, we now return to fishing with guns. And it's a guy standing in a canoe with a shotgun just blasting into the water. <laughs> Like five times, and it's just like <laughs> I would watch that show. Oh yeah, but yeah, no, the, the the movie's not great, and I think if somebody was like, "Oh, I'm going to check out Mr. Show," we'll start with the movie. That would be a terrible idea. But I yeah. think if you've watched four seasons of Mr. Show and you spend an hour and a half watching like the movie, you're going to take a few things away from it that aren't terrible. Yeah, there there's there's some good stuff in it. Uh, there's a uh, a parody of. Um... Mary Poppins of the uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Sweeps doing their yeah. song yeah. Uh, called Kicker in the Cunt. And uh, I, I forget who it was, but I saw somebody on. Oh. oh, no. Well, yeah, Jack Black is oh, in yeah. it uh, playing the Dick Van Dyke part, which is very good. Um, but someone was on. Uh, oh, is Anna Gasteyer was on the George Lucas talk show recently. And she mm. told a story about. Uh, going to see that movie with Eugene Levy when they were shooting some movie somewhere. The Mr. Show movie? Yeah, which like had like a minute theatrical release. Sure. Yeah. Um, but apparently, like when it got to that scene, Eugene Levy was just like, "Oh, 
come on. <laughs> do you really – do you need to oh. – and we just looked over like, what? And she's like, oh, my God. I'm just, like, losing my mind. Eugene Levy is <laughs> is being put off by this wild, wild scene in a, in a Mr. Show movie. What the fuck is happening? Yeah, that's not entirely surprising to me. Um, no. No, 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 I can no, see no. Eugene Levy getting upset at the use of the word cut. Oh, why? Why do you need to say that? He's oh. just a sweet. He's just a sweet little Canadian boy. Don't don't be mad at him. He's great. But he's a legend. Yeah, I I can I truly, can totally but also he was just a sweet little Canadian boy. They don't have that kind of language. I also bet he didn't like hold it against them, or he wouldn't have been like, oh, they, the Mister Show guys aren't funny because they can't not curse or whatever. He's probably just like, come on, guys. And then I bet he still enjoyed parts of it well you can't get to where you are in eugene levy's career without coming to the acceptance that not everything is made for me true yeah <laughs> oh yeah Very true. all of us who work in entertainment understand that distinction of this may not be made for me it doesn't mean that it's not funny or it doesn't have merit and especially for people who work in sketch comedy <laughs> to be clear i do understand i would also like to say as the woman on this show while i personally <laughs> actually don't mind that word and think it's a great word to use there's a difference between it being used and being called it i've been called it oh 100%. and it's not good but i'm just saying there are women who don't want to make that distinction and i don't think they have to and so i understand it being a very polarizing word and i understand that it maybe doesn't have a place in comedy but it did in 1995 sure yeah <laughs> and even like the movie was like early 2000s and even then like it was it was more okay than it is now um yeah well, and i also think yeah saying it and calling someone it to be in an attempt to be mean is like uh awful of course but i'm just saying that like right now talking about it in 2021 i do feel that like there are smarter ways to be funny than oh i've said a bad word oh absolutely absolutely yeah but of course it is a product of its time is all i'm trying to say i'm trying to say that mr show and all mr show products are funny but also still a product of their time and do need to be acknowledged for that. And like uh, both the product of their time, uh, both in kind of what was more acceptable then. And also like Mr. Show is just a very of its moment show. Like uh, of of all of the sketch comedy I can think of from the 90s. And there wasn't a lot of it really. Um, it was the most like about the 90s. Um like, like, if you really wanted to get a sense of kind of what it was like to be alive from 95 to 98, Mr. Show is actually probably a pretty good uh, view of that. Uh, I mean, you could argue the state. Oh, the state, too. The state has a pretty, pretty 90s feel. Uh, I mean, they were they were earlier. For sure. They're very 90s, but I, I meant more just in, like, really talking about, like... Like political shit from the '90s, or like sure, kind sure. of more topical shit from the '90s. Uh, the the state is great, but they're a little more evergreen. For sure, yeah. No, they're definitely like weirder, and, and yeah. If, like if you showed somebody forty years from now a Mister Show sketch that has a political opinion, they would be able to guess that it was from, uh, you know, pre two thousand or whatever. Sure, yeah. And I mean, and it was it was a fairly like political show without being like overtly political. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was very, very left for yeah. its time, in in a way that like, like beyond what SNL kind of like plays at being liberal, but is actually really like hella conservative. Yeah, uh, Mr. Show was very much like, no, this is what like angry Gen Xers uh, 
were pissed off about. Yeah. Yeah, because there's like lots of sketches about like government stupidity or like you know uh, like idiots on TV. Like they, they, there's one episode where they uh, they essentially play the Gallagher brothers. Yeah. And it's it's so good. Um, and it's it's very much just like. It was a chunk of the 90s that was very obsessed with, like, money and status, and Mr. Show was very much, like, just taking aim at kind of everything that was seen as, uh, you know, kind of being, quote-unquote, important at that point, you know? Yeah. I'm sorry, I have nothing to offer. <laughs> no, it's it's totally fine. I imagine you're super deep in that Jay Johnston Wikipedia page. There, well, there are a few pages. No, there are a few. I just wanted to see if they had updated it. <laughs> uh, uh, no, there are a few sketches that Brandon are is like very formative for Brandon that I've for sure seen, but I don't have like a deep knowledge of watching it in the same way you guys do. I'm aware of who they are, and I'm aware of quite a few of the sketches. I've seen a few episodes with you, though. You tend to watch them with commentary, which kind of ruins the experience if you've never seen them before. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I Mr. Show for me was one of the three like er shows for my sense of humor. It was Mr. Show, uh like late 90s early 2000s Conan and Space Ghost Coast to Coast which like if you put those three things together in a barrel there's me yeah I um when I was a, a wee little kid I used to watch in living color when I was a wee lad I was a wee lad I'd watch in living color with my brothers St. Patrick's Day as we're recording so let's just do just as get as terrible towards the <laughs> Irish as we can please please absolutely who needs them I need my Irish coffee. This yeah. coffee is just coffee. All right, I'm done with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I remember I watched um, In Living Color when I was a kid and loved it. And then uh, I think it was a few years after that, The State. Um, and then I got into this. And I'm actually very surprised that I didn't get into sketch comedy personally until four years ago. Um, it it kind of seems like I've been watching shit my whole life to get into it so beth you you haven't watched mr show is there any other sketch comedy that you have watched i i mean there's nothing that i've never i've watched brian i've watched so much sketch comedy i've watched oh, I'm more sure. sketch comedy yeah. than i've ever wanted to see in my entire life yeah, yeah she's, um, been, she's been with me for 13 years but like yeah <laughs> you but couldn't not, not any... see sketch comedy if you wanted to yeah. there's not any particular show that i'm like versed in I've seen some, you know, I've seen mostly whatever the things that Brandon really likes. So, like, I've seen some SCTV sketches. I've seen some The State sketches. I've seen some Mr. Show sketches. Um, if the internet flips out, I'll watch one or two SNL sketches. But I've never really, like, watched anything religiously. Mad TV was big when I was in high school and middle school and, and, and college, high school and college. Yeah. So, like, I, was, I saw some of those. I definitely saw some in Living Colors when I was a kid, but, like, we weren't a big TV household. So, like, I, I don't, I kind of saw them in passing more than, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm very, I've seen a lot of sketch comedy and a lot of sketch TV. I just don't have, like, a knowledge of any one particular troupe. Um, yeah, you know, like Mad TV was something that I, I really wanted to get into, and I watched the first couple of episodes and just wasn't that into it. There are, there are some some Mad TV sketches that are pretty good. It it never, like, it never felt like it had higher ambitions, aside from just sort of being like, well, we're the, you know, the Fox sketch show, so we're, you know, low-rent SNL. Um, 
but like Kenny Rogers Jackass, which came up on the show a couple weeks ago, I think, um, is just one of the great sketches of all time, which is Will Sasso as Kenny Rogers just in an episode of Jackass. That sounds amazing. I don't remember that coming up. We talked about Jackass on the Orson Welles show and how you were really sure the Orson Welles would love Jackass. I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. I remember, I remember the, the first episode had uh, Gump Fiction, which was Forrest Gump <laughs> and Pulp Fiction, which I, I bet if I watched it now, I would be like, this sketch is like fine or whatever. But I remember seeing it and I was just like, oh my God, that's so fucking funny. And then the rest of the episode, I was like, oh, all right, whatever. The, the talent on Mad TV was always far superior to the like, the product content on mad tv because like you had you could say the writing it's okay the, yeah that's fair because like you had phil lamar who's like half the cast of uh futurama and a brilliant voice actor um you had key and peel uh andy daly was on there will sasso uh I'm, I'm i'm blanking on her name uh but she's lois griffin Alex Borstein, Alex Borstein, uh, she's Lois Griffin, she's, uh, Miss Maisel's, uh, friend. Yep, she is. There's the, the tall, lanky guy who was always in the diaper. Oh, yeah, Stuart. So then, what is it about Mr. Show that works for both of you? What is, what is it about, like, the writing cast combo that, like, really makes it iconic for you? Because you're right, sketch comedy is to taste, and it does really have to gel in a specific way. Um, yeah, I always, I always enjoyed the... The way they tied everything together, um, even when it was like heavy-handed or like horseshoe, not horseshoe, shoehorned. Either one. I still enjoyed it. There's like some of the funniest things I've ever seen have been on that show. The, the, the pre-recorded call-in show is one of the greatest sketches ever Ugh. written. Um, well, uh, well, okay. Ex- explain to us what the uh, the pre-recorded call-in show is. Because like it's, 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 that I think might be the most Mr. Show sketch yeah, it's it's brilliant. There's like there's like five or four or five sketches that I feel like really kind of sum up Mr. Show, but we can get to those in a little bit. The the pre-taped call-in show is D- David Cross is hosting a, a call-in show where he records it the week before it airs. And so the the first episode they show you it's like um how do you, how do you, it went like it's, it starts with the first week and he's like, well, you know, we didn't get any real callers, but you know, we're still figuring this show out. And then it's the next week and it's, they're calling in talking about dogs. And he's like, no, that was last week's show on pets. This week we're talking about old people. And then it just keeps going. Like he's getting progressively more and more frustrated. And then uh, he's like, he finally flips out and he just pulls a screen. He's like, this is last week. Look. And it just, it goes week after week and you see him, he's progressively gaining his hair because he's been so stressed out. Um, I, I just described this sketch terribly. But it's also a hard one to explain. It is. It's hard to explain. Like, improv is harder to explain, but sketches are equally difficult to explain because they're both things that you need. The only difference is that, like, a sketch can, in theory, sometimes be sought out to be seen later. Um, but yeah, it's very true. hard to explain comedy in general to people. So that's not just you. I mean, I'm not good at explaining my own comedy. Tantrum has never apologized for anything. Oh God, no! Why would we? We refuse. <laughs> um, but that's another one. Of, that's one of those Mr. Show sketches that, like, to me, a lot of the time when I I went back and rewatched most of Mr. Show, I'd say three, four years ago, um, and I found that a lot of the sketches were more smart than they were like laugh out loud, like belly laugh hysterical i think that's fair 
and to me that's always kind of been the most indicative one of of those which is like it's a very like kind of heady concept that's really kind of fascinated with the like math problem aspect of sketch comedy writing cuz like sketch comedy writing is is way more formulaic than i think people kind of realize um and there's like a lot more like under the hood math that goes into making it work well sure and mr show i think was always striving to do the smartest version of a thing or the most far out version of a thing uh and it didn't it didn't always land and they're from listening to the commentaries they're they're fully aware that it like when it didn't work um but like yeah there's there's a lot of stuff on there that is just like oh my god i'm fucking dying from how much i'm laughing but there's a lot of it that's more like oh yeah that's really smart that's really good you know yeah um oh i'm sorry my uh, cat is taking a shit right in front of me so i'm very distracted that's all right my cat is just fucking wild. Normal again, we normally do these during the <laughs> afternoon and he just fucking sleeps in here with me, but it's, you know, 11 p.m. and it's Gil's time to shine. Yeah. He's in here having an absolute time. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Yeah, Mr. Show um yeah, I think it was it was I mean, I don't I don't really want to say I don't want to call it smart comedy because while it is, it is very intelligent. I don't think you have to be It's comedy that thinks it's smart. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I think you can watch it with like a dummy and they'll still think it's funny. Oh yeah. It's not comedy that requires research, but it's comedy that definitely thinks that it's a lot funnier than it is. But I mean, that's all men. It's fine. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's also one of those shows that I think like sort of assumes you are interested in comedy like not just like oh it'll be fun to watch a comedy show it's, it's not snl it yeah, was on hbo exactly. it had a niche yeah yeah 100 it was one of, it was one of those shows that hbo is able to uh, put out every so often that is like so deeply weird and off the beaten path and not a lot of people watch but because it's hbo they can kind of get away with having one or two of those on at any given moment well and, and uh oh, what's, what i was gonna say about when they have sketches that don't land, um, like you could, like I kind of feel like it's one of the rare sketch comedy things where watching an episode of it does kind of feel like you are at a live show. Whereas, like even if you see, like I've, I've seen like a good sketch at the at, at like a live theater or something, and then watched video of it later, and the video is not nearly as entertaining as seeing it live was. But I think Mr. Show did a pretty good job of making that atmosphere while you're watching it at home yeah i understand what you mean there's definitely something different about the way a joke lands when you're experiencing it live in the moment and and when it's taped and i think they did find a way to it's an energy thing yeah and like to find the way to like make that energy i mean i can only imagine how much they had to be playing it you know how like much they had to be playing it up to get that kind of energy to like transfer through into the camera they had to do the biggest version of everything yeah. Yeah. And and I think the fact that every episode of it started with Bob and David as themselves coming out, you know, to a cuz it it would do like a crane shot over the audience. So you could see that there was an audience here, a lot like a, you know, like a late night talk show. So it it had that 
it really amplified the sort of uh, live nature of it as opposed to like, you know, Kids in the Hall had those uh, those bumpers that are just them, you know, in black and white. Uh, dicking around in Toronto which are really good at setting a mood but it doesn't make kids in the hall particularly feel like a live experience yeah yeah for sure as opposed to like Key and Peele definitely has that same kind of vibe at least for those first few seasons where they would kind of introduce every sketch with a little uh, improv with an audience that you could clearly see yeah for sure yeah but I think that like I mean Chappelle should do that too but I think it's it's less effective. Um, no, I don't know what to say. Less effective, but it's it's a it's a different. Like even then, when they when they throw to the video, like the video very much seems like you like you could be watching the video on YouTube at home. Whereas like even in the the I guess maybe it's because of the laugh track, but even when like the the videos in Mr. Show, it still felt like you were surrounded with an audience watching together. It probably was just the fucking laugh track, and I'm just a dummy. And I mean, but you know what? Like the laugh track is. It's hard to deploy a laugh track effectively in a sketch show, and like. Valid. They did. They made it work. They made it feel organic. It never felt like you were listening to a laugh track because you've seen that audience. You, you as the viewer, believe that this is the actual live audience laughing at it. And I think, too, that, like, because it's all one, there's never a break um, because, because it was on HBO. There's no commercials. So it all just flowed together as kind of one piece and then looped back around on itself it, it you never felt like there was a like an artificial gap in it. It all felt like one piece, much like watching a live sketch show does. You know, like there like there's an energy through the transitions and, and stuff that like you know, you, you kinda don't get even on like something like SNL, which like is ostensibly the biggest live sketch show in the world, but it doesn't feel particularly, you know, homey. Like Mr. Show did. I think it's also worth noting that part of that just has to do with how smart and experienced Bob Odenkirk and and David Cross were at that point. Because not that sketch comedy hasn't existed for a long time, but it really had its heyday in that period of the 90s. And they came up at like a very influential time in sketch comedy and in a time where sketch comedy was really for the first time expanding to other mediums outside of SNL outside of In Living Color. There was suddenly so many more sketch shows on TV than there had ever been before. And I think they were able to take that, they were able to take on what was built before and really take their experience as live performers and figure out how to translate that in a way that a lot of other shows never really captured. And the fact that, like, uh, Bob came up writing for SNL in the, I think, late 80s, early 90s. Like, like he wrote the uh, Matt Foley uh, Van Down by the River sketch uh for chris farley so like mr show was full of a lot of people that really fucking knew what they were doing and and it felt like the prog rock album that you couldn't make anywhere else you know but even that more than that they knew what they were doing they knew what not to do too bob and david met working on the ben stiller show which was fine but didn't last very long no uh david cross was in the uh cast and bob was one of the writers and like they already also had this experience under their belt of what not to do on a sketch show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, which has some credit, I think. Oh, for sure. That's another fascinating little little side road of sketch comedy. Oh, the Ben Stiller show had a lot of really funny stuff on it. I've I've used Ben Stiller show clips at the top of this show before. <laughs> I 
it's not saying it didn't, but it didn't work. Oh yeah, no, it, no, it, for it, sure, yeah, it didn't. It, it was also it was paired with Home Improvement, which is so fucking fun. That would be like if you paired Mr. Show with Big Bang Theory. Like, I mean, it there's make, probably some overlap in the audience. There might be, but like that would make no fucking sense on Tuesdays on CBS. You know? I don't know. They're all both nerd shows. Are you confusing that with the Dana Carvey show? Did that? Did that? Did both those shows share a time slot with Home Improvement? Oh, yep. Yeah, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Dana. Yeah, you're right. I'm thinking of the Dana Carvey show. Which that that I mean, I I don't blame you. The the clip in that documentary where it shows the, the Home Improvement uh promo for like the kid getting sick and dying and then it's like followed by the brought to you by the diet root beer dana carvey show um <laughs> so funny you're right that's i yeah i absolutely was confusing the ben stewart show and uh the dana carvey show but they both kind of had similar arcs yeah they yeah they both didn't they both should have worked better than they did oh yeah um here, here's a here's a fun game so let's say there's no chris farley and the the matt foley Sketch never makes it to SNL, and he puts it on Mr. Show. Who plays Matt Foley? Jack Black. Yeah, it's it's early. It's probably Jack Black. Later, it's probably Jay Johnston. I was gonna say, I think Jack Black seems like the obvious one just because of like size, but I think it would have been Jay Johnston. Yeah. Especially because Jack Black was only in the first season, too. Like, he he, didn't I mean, really... I don't know. I know he was recurring later, but I meant to, like, yes, also size, but I think also just the ability to just get, like, real angry and weird with a thing. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, Jack Black could also kill that. We should maybe just kind of break down who the cast was uh, before we start getting into kind of, like, more specific sketches and characters and stuff. Yeah, okay. go for it. Before we have to explain the story of Everest to anyone. Uh, right. yeah, and we're gonna have to, because it's one, it's one of the... It's one of the most important ones. So the cast was uh, led by uh, Bob and David, who are Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is, um, he wasn't like huge as an actor until like Breaking Bad popped off. um, Where he played Saul Goodman. Aside from that, he was always, he just would do like, you know, bit parts on sitcoms and stuff like that. And then he happened to get cast as the, you know, essentially comedic relief part in the most popular drama of all time yeah um and i yeah i think those guys are kind of responsible for i mean i think they're definitely responsible for him expanding his acting uh chops and getting into drama and stuff because he's he is fantastic in better call saul um but i remember uh i worked for on the first season of the birthday boys did they do more than one season of that show they did two they might have done a third um, huh. I only worked. I only worked on the first, but I remember while we were while we were filming, he was negotiating to do Better Call Saul. And I remember I was like unloading a truck one time, and he was on the phone with somebody, <clears throat> and uh, he was he was like not arguing, but he was just like being very clear that like he wants no part of the writing in it. He wants to focus one hundred percent on like the performance of it, and uh, and so I think. I think he kind of did that. Well, I mean, this is a lot of assuming on my part, but I think he he took that to like kind of challenge himself as an actor. And then oh, absolutely, w- he's once- he's said as much. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, and so now now I think you know now we go to the nobody film where he's like a fucking action star. God, that's gonna be so fucking good. I'm so excited about it. Bob Odenwick. Bob Odenwick. Bob Odenwick. <laughs> it's gonna be great. 
I mean, even if it's a shit movie, it's going to be fun. I'm going to, I'm going to love it. Um, I just want to watch Bob Odenkirk beat the shit out of people. Like that's all I want. Yeah. I I want him to scream. God damn it. At least once because, uh, the funniest thing in the world is Bob Odenkirk, uh, yelling at someone. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Especially saying God damn it, but specifically just being fucking furious. What what's the uh, what's the the Mr. Show sketch where he's sitting in his living room and he's complaining about um he's like I'll never watch your show because your show's trash and your trash belongs out in the street. You know what else bothers me? The city I live in. They're suing me for putting my trash in the street. Uh, I don't and remember then, that <laughs> one. Oh man! And then he just he just yell looks at the camera and just screams, "Get out!" And it's just like. It's the funniest fucking way to tell someone to get out of your house. Um, and he did perfect yelling. He did. For sure. He's a phenomenal yeller. He did yeller. perfect comedic yelling. I think my favorite Bob Odenkirk yell, there's a sketch that is uh, a, a bunch of parents trying to make like a cool show for teens to oh, yeah. like teach their teens how to behave and like, you know, to get jobs and they're all clearly like in their 50s um and they're trying to just keep like you know a cool teen vibe going and they try to call out, uh, bob tries to call out the guest which is their son trevor and it's just him like greg god damn it get out of there calm down ken calm down oh that fellow teen will be the death of me just like losing his fucking mind and just like breaking all pretense of being a teen and it's so fucking funny yeah. Well, so you've got Bob Odenkirk, and then you've got uh, David Cross, the man who would be Tobias. Um, I feel like that's where most people probably know him from. Yeah, uh, probably, that's uh, fair. Arrested Development. Um, that or the fucking Alvin and the Chipmunk movies. <laughs> Again, I was introduced to Mr. Show through seeing his stand-up, and, um, <clears throat> and I, and I, I kind of feel like his stand-up is, is as unique to stand-up as Mr. Show is to sketch comedy in the way that, like, he doesn't like he could David Cross could do a comedy album that's an hour long and it might have like six jokes in it yep. and still be like a funny show. Well, like what well, Mr. Show is very much, I would say, overwritten and not in a not in a uh, necessarily bad way. Just like it's very well, like every word is considered, whereas yeah. with his stand up, he's copped to being like, yeah, I just kind of have a, a rough idea and I don't actually like to like fully write my punchlines. So like I've seen some David Cross sets where he's fucking crushed and I've seen some David Cross sets where he is just, he just does not have it together. Just loses yeah. the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's, it's just him winging it, which like that is, I think his appeal as a, as a comedic energy is there's very much this kind of like live wire, uh, aspect to it but it, it doesn't always pay off yeah so who are the other recurrings yeah who's, who's next or the regulars pft yeah we got uh and i think honestly uh, it was um friend of the show gil baron i think a while ago posted on our like secret sketch comedy nerd facebook group uh something to the effect of like bob and david were great but the other cast members were like the thing that made Mr. Show really special. And I, I think that might be true because um, it had one of the most stacked ensembles maybe ever. Maybe. Um, so you had, on top of Bob and David, you had Paul F. Tompkins, who you know from podcasts, I guess. Yeah. 
podcasts. Uh, he was also on that CISO show. Oh yeah, the uh, bajillion bajillion dollar properties. I have met a handful of people know him from that the I love the eighties or whatever. Oh yeah, he he was on that, and he's he's a personality comedian. He's a side character on some shows. He's a one of the he's one of the one of Donald's brothers on. Uh no, one of Donald's cousins, Gladstone on Duck Ducktales. You're right. I forgot he was Gladstone. Gander. He's Gladstone yeah. Gander. Yeah. That's very good. Uh, I I one time saw Paul F. Tompkins in San Francisco do a live audio commentary to the R. Kelly audio commentary for Trapped in the Closet, <laughs> and it, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. His superpower as a comedian, aside from like he's a he's a great character actor, um, but what, but like his superpower as a comedian is being so in the moment and not letting a single thing uh slide like every like weird trip of the tongue or you know awkward moment or whatever he is just on it and will call it out in like a surgical way uh in a way that is so fucking satisfying to watch yeah and he also he also seems like he would be one of the fucking nicest people in the world yeah he's he's uh, he's a pretty he's a pretty cool dude from everything i've heard yeah. That's always nice. Yeah. Cuz uh there's so many that go the other way. Yeah. And then uh you got you got PFT, then you've got Tom Kenny who uh is the voice of everyone. Yeah, like it's it, it was always so weird to me that one of the guys from Mr. Show is SpongeBob. Yeah, it's crazy. And like I think I maybe knew what SpongeBob was but I think I think SpongeBob came out round about when I discovered Mr. Show. So it's always been one of those like, oh, one of the guys from Mr. Show is on SpongeBob, which is now the most like well-known cartoon character in the fucking universe. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think I was like a little bit too old to be watching SpongeBob when it came out, but I know so many people who were just like, oh, fucking SpongeBob was like my shit when I was a kid. Yeah, SpongeBob premiered in 99. May yeah, 1st, I was 1999. In- Junior in high school, I can't be watching SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm cool. Yeah, the kids I babysat watched SpongeBob. Exactly. Which I guess makes sense because because uh, Tom isn't in most of the fourth season, I believe. If I had to pick like an MVP, I think I think Tom Kenny was the most consistently funny. Um, but he also like he never really played a straight man. I mean, like even when he was a straight man, he was hysterical. He he was their best character actor. I agree. By like. A sig- like a country fucking mile. Like a lot, a lot of the Mister Show characters were were like everyone kind of played their type, mm-hmm. but like he was this. He's just so incredibly versatile. Like there's one episode where he's he's basically playing Robin Williams uh, at his most like coked out, and it is it is the mo- it's like uncanny to the point of like exhausting to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's phenomenal. And then, yeah, Jill Talley, I honestly, if, if someone was like, you can have like a, a double dinner date with any couple you don't know, I would probably, after you two, I would probably pick Tom <laughs> Kenny and Jill Talley. You should pick them before us. Yeah, yeah, no, well, take that opportunity. You, you know, we'll get a six top and the, the six of us will just sit there. And... Cool, great. Yeah, she was, uh, she was one of the two more, uh, recurring women on the show and and was a lot more prevalent in the first couple seasons um 
and like she she does a lot with not a lot <laughs> um like she has some moments that she really shines she gives maybe the most like the best dramatic performance I've ever seen in a comedy sketch. Um, there's one sketch where uh, it's like an infomercial about this pan that, like this nonstick pan. Oh, yeah. And Bob Odenkirk is playing this like insane British guy who is just like haunting and abusing this poor woman. And it's like, a, it's like genuinely upsetting and like. Uh, it's it's such a weird like dark turn in a sketch, but both of their performances are incredible. Hers especially, like it's the only time I've seen oh, like yeah. genuine fear in a sketch comedy performance. Well, yeah, well, and, and she was able to do also like do that in a funny way, which is like kind of weird and very hard to do. Oh yeah, um, yeah, she's fantastic. Who else? Who else we got? Uh, John Ennis is uh, probably the next oh, sort of fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, that dude's just, like, he, he, he wound up kind of doing a lot of the, like, like, what would be a Chris Parnell part. Sure. Uh, on SNL, like, kind of straight man, but also is just, like, a fucking sniper delivering jokes. Yeah. Also, very funny at yelling. Oh, yeah, very good. There's a lot of good yellers on, uh, on Mr. Show. PFT is good in his own way. Uh, Jay Johnston's great at yelling. Uh. Uh, I mean, n- none of them are going to ever top Bob in a yell-off, but who is? Um, and then you've got... Uh, at, th- at this point, you're sort of getting into the people that were, like, kind of writers and also kind of cast members. Well, I think I think uh, Jay Johnston's probably the last uh, of the kind of primary cast. Um, and he is, uh, turns out, a fascist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. he he did he did get he always was playing a cop. Also, that's true. Yeah, he was he was the cop on uh, Sarah Silverman's show. His cop character on Sarah Silverman. Um, one of my favorite lines in anything was uh, when she drinks a bunch of cough medicine and like crashes her car into like a like a, a elementary school park like playground, and she wakes up to Jay Johnston topic tapping on the window. And she rolls the window down. And he's like, "Ma'am, do you have any idea why I'm here?" And she's like, "I don't know. You got all C's in high school." And <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. Uh, anyway, it's so Sarah, good. Sarah Silverman also. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. she she pops up uh, pretty uh, regularly. Um, but Jay Johnston was probably there. Like, he was their physical comedy secret weapon. I think because he's nine feet tall. Yeah. Um. And is just this like weird like stick bug of a person. Yeah. Um, one of one of my favorite uh, Mr. Show sketches is the mom and pop porn shop, uh, which is which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a like a skeevy '90s porn store that's run by like a nice, friendly old couple. Um, and the 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 rest of the sketch is fine, but there's a part where. Uh, the ghost of pornography uh, emerges from one of their jerk-off booths, uh, and it's PFT on Jay Johnston's shoulders, and it's PFT at his most, like, Who speaks ill of pornography? <laughs> Just, like, bellowing in, like a like, a big, white, 
cloak and a big old wig and a beard. And he's on Jay Johnston's shoulders, and it looks like the most dangerous thing in the yeah. world. Like, he's like six inches from the lights, but they both are going at it so full tilt that, well, like, he has like... he has like a sheet over his head, too, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. They, yeah, like, they, Jake probably couldn't see at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> it looks wildly unsafe. Oh, yeah. And and it's it's, I think... It really speaks to that thing you were talking about earlier of, like, it really feels like a live moment yeah. in a way that most other sketch shows don't really have. Yeah. Oh, he's also uh, Jimmy Pesto on uh, Bob's Burgers, which is probably where I, I would assume most people have heard him. Well, I mean, he also, like, he's been on a, like, he was the cop in Arrested Development. He was the, uh, uh, like, he's he's been in a lot of, like, I think you could ask a hundred people show him a picture like where do you know this guy from and you'd probably get like 25 different answers apparently none of them worked at the fbi none of them did, no. <laughs> they're not watching comedy over there. this is how we know that this is now how we know the uh, officially know the fbi has no sense of humor because not a single person <laughs> at the fbi knew who that guy was yeah no mr show fans at the fbi <laughs> which is weird because they also like mr show also like shit on the fbi oh like, yeah you would think that they would have heard about that oh yeah um and so from there, uh, the rest of the cast uh, is now more people that would just, like, kind of pop up every so often. And I think we're more writers than full cast, like uh, Scott Ackerman, who went on to uh, be the host of Comedy Bing Bong, and uh, Dino Stamatopoulos, who created uh, the bleakest comedy show of all time, Moral Oral. Um, Moral Oral is great. Moral Oral is uh, brutal. <laughs> Uh, he also he also had that um, that Doctor Frankenstein time travel. Oh yeah, that was I, also I, very weird. That I I'm trying to remember the name of that thing, but it was so Frankenhole. It was Frankenhole. Frankenhole yeah. Wow, I wonder what like childhood memory was pushed out of my head so I could remember Frankenhole. <laughs> Frankenhole. Uh, a show I didn't even yeah. like very much. No, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Like Moral Laurel was like fun. Uh, but Frankenhole was just like fucking like I I feel like that was one of the shows where the the joke was the show and oh yeah they they weren't too worried about well I'm not that's not fair because I bet they did very much worry about it being a good show but I I see what you mean that kind of like Adult Swim sort of yeah. like the show isn't taking itself particularly seriously like like the way John Glazer approaches comedy where it's just like yeah uh, he's gonna be fucking silly and if you don't get it he doesn't really give a shit yeah. um but if you get it it's very funny um, yeah but i think jo i think john glazer is also able to be more accessible than dino stamatopoulos is like for sure genetically capable of for sure i don't know john glazer is a weird looking dude oh yeah he, he is dude. most people would know him as far as i know as jeremy jam oh yeah jeremy jam mm -hmm. unless you're brandon and then it's all about the slip nuts Oh, we're the slip nuts, <laughs> slipping on nuts. Um, I, I went through a phase where I, I downloaded a bunch of like bootleg audio for like comedy shows with John Glazer and John Benjamin. Um, and oh, you are you are do... you about are you about to bring up uh, acapella Alica or whatever it was called? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't going to, but that was one of the things I listened to. And it's so dumb. Bum, bum, so we're the Ghostbusters. We are busting ghosts all day. Yep. Uh, acapella danger zone <laughs> uh, so dumb but they would do like eight minute, eight minute bits and just like 
specifically fucking... opening for Yola Tango for their ho- uh, their <laughs> Hanukkah shows. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, you're either going to enjoy this for eight minutes or we're going to enjoy this for eight minutes. Either way, we don't give a shit. Um, or the, uh, the forget a buddies who their whole thing is, so dumb. their whole thing is just saying, forget about it. But the only thing you shouldn't forget about is nine 11. Yeah. And then, yeah, they had, the, they had the forget about it. Cologne. That's uh, so dumb. Where it's just the guy like, Hey, that smells really good. What is that? No, nah, forget about it. No, nah, I mean, I'm not going to forget about it. It smells really good. What is it? No, nah, forget about it. And then they just, they do that for like six minutes. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, fucking it's so insane. Good. But it's, it's so, so funny. Um, um Anyway. The, so the last couple we haven't uh, we haven't got we've got uh, Brian Posehn who... who called me a douchebag on stage one time. <laughs> what <laughs> go on? That's all right, Matt Besser. What did Matt Besser call me? Uh, Matt oh. Besser called you a uh, I think a crazy Vietnam vet. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, in the voice and character of uh, Pope Benedict. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, no, I, I was at I, I, I so because of Mister Show I had heard about comedy death ray which became comedy bang bang and so i lived in san jose and every like once or twice a year i would drive down to la and i would go to the m bar and see the comedy death ray shows and just like make a weekend of it where was m bar uh it was on vine and fountain okay so like where the virgil is oh wait no that's no it was no it's uh so south of sunset uh and then across the street from that El Pollo Loco. No, Vine and Fountain is like just below the just below the Chipotle, babe. Oh yeah, weird. Okay. Yeah, it was in. Uh, I think it's. I think it's a, a Argentinian restaurant now, uh, but I could be wrong. But I, yeah, I used to go to see shows there all the time. And Brian Posehn uh, was at one of them, and he he. I mean, it's still a funny joke to me. He said um, he said I'm a Star Wars nerd. The difference between Star Wars nerds and Bible nerds is that Star Wars nerds know that they're their book's not real and then everyone started clapping and like laughing and uh while we were all everyone was clapping i said amen and he like (laughs) fucking like he like shook his fucking head and like stared in my direction was like what'd you just say and then everyone got quiet and i was like oh i just said amen and he's like oh all right for a minute i didn't know i was in i was in one of the comedy clubs where the douchebags in the audience think it's okay to talk and I was like, oh, wow. Well, I didn't like, – and like, I understand what he was – like David Cross does the same kind of thing where it's like the first sign of a heckle, they just try to fucking shut it down so that nobody else tries it. But like I was in no way trying to heckle him. Uh, oh, totally. And I, and it wasn't like a quiet part of the show where I was just like, amen. Um, it was like during an applause break. It was uh, like a natural response time. Yeah. It was a but natural was like, response period. Yeah, but I was like two tables back from the stage, so like he heard me. Yeah, just it was talking. an it was an involuntary utterance that accidentally became a thing that he noticed. <laughs> yeah, which is like he has that same superpower that PFT does of just like sure. not gonna let a single fucking thing go. He just has a completely different energy. He has the energy of a like a mountain troll. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean he's funny, and he was funny on the show. So um, from there, we've got the last couple people are uh, Marilyn Ricecub, who we've talked about uh, a little bit before. Only a little bit, but not as an actual talent, as just that she was his girlfriend. Yeah, that's fair. Which is, she is more than just his girlfriend. Oh, totally. Uh, she, she, I, I've never watched uh, 24 or whatever, but she was fucking fantastic as um, Adam Sandler's sister in Punch Drunk Love. Oh, right. I forgot she was in that. Yeah, like a, like an overbearing sister um, who like doesn't understand why he's so fucking weird. Oh yeah, and like her his, her husband's Robert Smigel, I think. Oh, I believe so. Yeah, but yeah, she's very funny. 
She and and like we said, she introduced every episode, and she like I don't think she wound up having all that many like characters. Unfortunately, no. like a lot of the a lot of the Mister Show's women weren't represented particularly well, and and you could say the same thing about Karen Kilgariff too. Like, oh sure, she was she was also like she wasn't in every episode, but she was pretty prevalent for a couple years, and like most of her parts are just like. Oh, scolding man. mom or yeah. like you know dumb girl being inter- interviewed for a thing yeah you know the 90s mm. yeah i mean yeah it, it it was a very male dominated show um but that's not to say that it was like but again i'm saying that i the reason i said the 90s is because that makes it very much a product of its time like that doesn't mean there weren't talented women or that the women on it weren't talented no. It's very much a product of the comedy that was being produced at yeah. the time, though. And and I think they were maybe a little bit aware of it, too. Like, one of the episodes opens with a sketch that's, like, essentially Mr. Show doing, like, the Playboy Club. Um, but it's basically just about how all of the dudes are kind of fucking douchebags. It's, like, the Mr. Show Boys Club or something. So I think they at least, like, maybe had some awareness of it, but not enough to actually do anything about it. Which, hey, the 90s, yeah. 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 Um, I think that's kind of, I think that's kind of everybody that, uh, popped up over the course of the show, uh, at least more than a couple times. I was gonna say, I mean, we, we mentioned in passing, but as much as, like, yes, he was really only in the first season, Jack Black was heavily in the first season, and I just think it is worth talking about considering the movie star status he went on to compared to many of the other actors. Oh yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um he's had a like very strange career path that kind of was in its nascent stages on this show. But but even even in that first season, I know like he was in stuff, but I think aside from that the He was for sure like the J V squad. He he's he's in every episode in the first season, but I think just once per show. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's, like, for sure the JV squad of the show. Well, um, like, cause the only thing that I can remember him being in is the the musical about the uh, stick your dick in these three holes sketch. Yes, but um, that was on a season that he wasn't even on anymore. They brought him back for that. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that was, I think that's the first episode, actually. Uh, or no, that's not the first episode, but it's in the first season. I've definitely seen that episode, but yeah. I, I I remember when you watched it last, I thought we looked it up and it was like after he wasn't really on the show anymore, it was like his last episode as like a regular season member or something. It was like definitely like featured, it featured him heavily for a reason. Well, I, I, I think that's, that's, that, that's why I bring it up is that I, I think that, that had they known how big he would get, he would have been a more prevalent character. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. I don't, I don't by any means like blame them considering where he was in his career. I think he was used exactly as much as he was going to be used. I just think it's, it's a while his career in general is like a wild trajectory. He he's had this, I mean, I, I am in awe of Jack Black constantly. He's had this oh, insane career. Go look it up. Oh, yeah. If you don't know about it, <laughs> you've seen Bernie, right? Yeah. Not yet. No. Oh man, Bernie is fucking amazing. I've heard uh, it's incredible. He should have won an award for it. I think. I think he should have won a like, he, or at least been nominated for like a best acting award for it. Um, it's a fucking super good movie, and he's amazing. And he was fucking great in Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, Jumanji was so good. Yeah, it was. Jumanji so good. was so much better than it had any right to be. I was so hundred percent. Yeah, and then the second one was terrible because they were like, let's make up, let's make them all play different people, and it just kind of like <laughs> fucked up the dynamic, in my opinion. Yeah, 
they used Jack Black uh, when they when they featured him. They used him in the best possible way to use Jack Black, which yeah. was like uh, two rock opera sketches. Yeah, they understood what his thing was. Oh it yeah, just they used him exactly as much as you would use Jack Black at that point in his career. Oh yeah, and then I don't I don't remember exactly how it came about i think maybe like he hadn't even been in high fidelity yet like that didn't come out till 2000 like nobody knew who the fuck jack black was had, had the had the tenacious d sketches been coming out yet that's what i was about to get to the um so i think it was after the third season but it might have been the fourth i don't remember it was one of the uh 10 episode seasons um mr show uh was paired with those 10 minute tenacious d shorts which were produced okay. by bob and bob and david and featured oh, okay. a lot of the same uh people and they were sort of like it sort of felt like an extension of mr show a little bit um because it kind of had that pedigree um and it felt like this sort of weird out of place thing um but that was sort of the first big uh tenacious d project like it like all of the songs from that show went on to be on their first album which is like ostensibly a comedy album but just one of the best rock and roll records that's maybe ever been made i, ju- I just i just rewatched the pick of destiny like three or four days ago um with my mom my brother and his girlfriend and it it is it's really funny but it's it, it is a lot of like very child like cock push-ups and fucking like fart jokes and shit but yeah it is really funny and um I remember. I remember people showing me the tenacious. All you need is one. It's still funny. True. Oh, the the classico song. I adore the tenacious D album. I'm sorry, I do. (laughs) Yeah, I I need. I need to. I need to listen to it more. I I I've heard like a few songs, but I've never actually like sat down and listened to it or like watched like the tenacious D sketches. But it's something that this conversation is inspired. Like I'm going to go check all that shit out. And the movie was directed by a past subject of the show, uh, Liam Lynch, who is one of the creators of uh, Syphil and Ollie, which is, like, probably the fourth show on my, like, er er-show list. I I had friends who were really into Syphil and Ollie. I love Syphil and Ollie. I never really was able to get into it, Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's funny. That's another one that I know mostly just via being with Brandon. Um, so similarly, like I've seen even again as a, another, it is a puppet sketch show, but it's still ultimately a sketch show. That's another one that I've seen many sketches from, not all of. It's one of those ones that has, uh, it doesn't have a particularly wide cultural footprint, but the footprint it has is incredibly deep. And weird. It's deep and there's all kinds of weird shit growing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe the last thing to sort of cover is kind of the, like, essential Mr. Show sketches. Um, and so we've already, we've already talked about, um, the pre-taped Colin show. Um, to me, the kind of other, like, most Mr. Show sketch is a sketch called The Story of Everest, which, like, you're either going to think is the funniest thing in the world or just be so mad about um it's all the premise is is that this guy has come back from trying to climb mount everest and he's telling his family the story of when he was about to reach the peak and was being blown back and forth by the wind and then he winds up uh 
putting his weight on a little tea cart behind him, slipping over, knocking over a wall full of thimbles, and landing on the ground. And everybody, and like everybody in the room laughs, and it's it's very funny, and then he resets it, and then does it again. And then does it six more times. Yeah, the the, the time where he, where he like places the final thimble and then turns to his family and then just for no reason falls falls backward but like not only for no reason but like the there's the look on his face as if he's not in like it's not him doing it on purpose like it's definitely an accident like he yeah he slipped while standing still and fell into this thing of thimbles again and then the fucking classic bob odenkirk yelling where he's just like no <laughs> no one help him oh yeah it's it's so good. It's it's this weird endurance test of a sketch uh, that is like seven minutes long, and you're either going to love it or think it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah, it depends on if you enjoy sketches that are endurance tests. I do not. You you didn't enjoy the, stor- the story of Everest, Beth? It doesn't do much for me. It really wow. doesn't. Doesn't okay. surprise me. He knows this. It, I... I get it, but after like the like the first two times, I was like, "All right, I get the bit." You see where it's like, going. It's, yeah. I'm just not the kind of person that finds it funny. That finds the repetition funny. But that's again, I understand it's funny. I understand it makes Brandon crack up. I understand it makes so many other people I know crack up that it's a really beloved sketch. Not all comedy is made for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. Just because I just because I don't like it doesn't mean it doesn't have merit. <laughs> um, I, I would also. Uh... The, the lie detector job interview. I was about to say the lie detector, yeah. Is very funny. Uh, I mean, obviously, heightening is, like, the core of comedy or whatever. But, like, Mr. Show had a way of, of heightening to, like, levels that would, like, kind of seem unsustainable. And then they would just kind of, like, live there for a moment and then go further up. Yeah, Mr. Show would, like, like where an SNL sketch would stop... Mr. Show would keep going. Yeah, and go, like, three more pages. Oh, yeah, and, like, it was never afraid to, like, go to a second location or cut away to things and then come back. Um, whereas, like, SNL is kind of always in one spot. Yeah. I think another another good example of that is uh, the number 24. Oh, so fucking funny. I watched that on YouTube, like, two days ago. I thought that was the state. No, that's no. uh that's Mr. Show. Oh, I thought that was the state. Is is the Italian restaurant the state then? Yeah, the the okay. the one with I think uh... I think the Italian restaurant and the 24 one are the same or the same sketch. Is that the one that, where the pope's coming and then they just throw the fucking spaghetti sauce everywhere? Yeah. Why do I think they're the same sketch? Are they both at a dinner? They're they're both uh, very much just doing Italian stereotypes. Okay, but they are both at like an Italian restaurant, right? They are, yeah. Okay, oh, that's yeah, yeah. why no, I think and, they're the same sketch in my head. And and our boy our boy Jay Johnston is stirring a big pot of uh, spaghetti <laughs> sauce, sauce that would have been spilled in the state sketch. That's so fair. They, they are very they are very similar. They're, yeah, they're the the state. There is like a gleefulness to the state that Mister Show never really got close to because Mr. Show was too, I think, self-conscious. Yeah. I think also in a way, not that, I mean, not that they were, you know, that much older in in mid-1995, but I think that it being like spearheaded by Bob and David and the two of them were kind of like 
again, the spearhead of it. And they were just a little bit older. Like, not to say Mr. Show is more mature, but I think the state is very much just like, let's throw six best friends on stage and see what idiocy comes out than Mr. Show was. Mr. Show just felt a lot more calculated. Oh, yeah. The state was literally an NYU sketch team that got a show. Yeah, like... Well, but, but, but also, like... I mean, there's like a thousand with, with, of them. Yeah, there's there's one person from the state that hasn't been steadily working in the industry since that shit came out. Uh, or I guess maybe two. We just constantly use the state as the measure of um, how many people are allowed to be on a sketch team. And if you are if your sketch team is larger than one, the state, you have too many people on your sketch team. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, and the state's kind of an anomaly in that way. Like, I think it was nine people and it was still like a little bit too big. It's like twelve. It's insane. It's crazy, but they're but they're all they're all like, if they all broke off and had their own like sketch shows with support players, seven of those shows would be great. Oh yeah, and like the the state gave way to uh, Reno Nine One One and Viva Variety and uh, like Ken Marino and Joe Latrulio, uh, who's on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, um, uh, Carrie Kenny Silver. Um, uh, it's insane. Yeah, Tom Lennon, Tom Lennon, and Ben Garant have been writing movies like that every big that we don't know. blockbuster. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, the Stella guys. Yeah, Stella. Um, uh, Wet Hot. Yeah, they've they've continually kept doing uh, good work. Well, I mean, and, and like Mr. Show is, is the same. Like the the. Oh yeah, I think if if you had like an all star sketch comedy. Thing and it was like a 10 person minimum Mr. Show yeah. versus the state would probably be the final. Oh yeah. Like, like if, if, if we had to choose who we were going to bring to, uh, the Olympics for sketch comedy for the U S yeah. Yeah. Um, cause you know, Canada's kicking our ass every year. Uh, cause those fucking kids in the hall, but we're, uh, we're going to get them one year, but the, so the, the number 24 is a sketch in an Italian restaurant. And I don't even remember how it starts, but the premise is that, the like dawn of this uh mafia family. I, I, yeah. I think I think it just starts with uh like David Cross being an idiot and he's like, Yeah, twenty four, that's the highest number. And then they just like they start talking about it and then uh Bob Odenkirk is eventually just like But the point is they all take it straight on at face value. Nobody's yeah. making fun of him. It's just constantly yes. it is the the highest number is twenty four is the perfect example of yes and applied oh yeah 100 percent. but like applied specifically even though it's not an improv set it still applies to sketch <laughs> yeah it has an it has an improv energy to it for sure of just like the logic of it the logic of it is the logic of it you know well and, and like that sketch is also a good example of um like so they have yeah the sketch about how these people are arguing about what's the highest number bob odenkirk the mafia don is like 24 is the highest number don't say anything else or i'm gonna fucking kill you and then it ends with like, uh, you know, like a, a scientific presentation where it's like people think there may be as many as twenty-four stars in the universe, and then it's like uh, a, a fucking football stadium. It's like today's attendance twenty-four, and there's and like a like, mafia guy in every location, just like glaring yeah, at them. Yeah, making sure. Um, which reminds me of another sketch of theirs that I love, which I don't think. I think this is another one of the ones where it's like premise funny but not necessarily like joke funny throughout but it's when the fbi is all just standing around waiting for the last native american to die it's oh like yeah the last native american is just like going about his business and there's two secret servicemen just like standing watching like waiting for him to die 
and they're just like, no, no, we're not waiting for him to die. We're just watching a man live. Uh, and the, the whole thing is just like, just like they don't give a shit. Uh, I don't know. I, that, I kind of segue there. Yeah, no, and I know what you mean. It's it's very much like uh like a very much a nineties uh kind of nineties thing that probably wouldn't be okay today. <laughs> yeah, well, but it, I think I think it still would be okay today because the idea of it. Yeah, the gag is that they're just waiting to steal the land from the last Native yeah. American. Yeah, and and it's so I think that, like that's a good example of like when it's okay to touch on shit like that is when you're punching when you're not punching down um yeah which i think mr show did a good job of uh punching up pretty frequently oh yeah almost almost always and it never felt like it went for for good or for ill it felt like it never went for easy targets yeah um and could could often kind of get a little bit lost up its own ass sure but like what what sketch comedy doesn't yeah sketch comedy is born out of our own asses Mm-hmm. And don't you forget it. So, uh, Brian Musel, thank you for uh, joining us through uh, this journey through the altered state of Druggachusetts. That is uh, Mr. Show. Oh, thank you. Uh, so if people wanted to find more uh, Brian Musel content on their internet or in their lives, how could they do that? Oh, well, um, you know, I'm on... Uh... Facebook with my name, Instagram with my name, uh, Twitter at Brian GD Musil. Um, I mean, right now there's not really much of a reason to find me. I'm not really doing much, but uh, I think, you know, Tantrum, if you look for Tantrum Sketch Comedy, uh, I, I, I still have faith that that sketch group is alive, and I feel like yeah. this time next year I will have been on stage with Brandon again. Ho- fucking, fucking hopefully. Ideally. Ideally, but also in another way, unideally, because he hates every time he's made to be in a sketch. <laughs> of course, of course. No, just if I have to have blood on me. And I, I know for a fact that you didn't read the last sketch that I sent you like four months ago because it ends with you pulling your dick out on stage and you said nothing about it. So Sure didn't. Uh, what do you think he is, Will Morgan? Yo, he, he's not going to do it. I'm going to recast it. But I wrote it specifically to make, to make him imagine himself pulling his dick out. And also... I. I, I'm not going to make anybody pull their dick out, but... Uh, Maybe the worst I've ever felt on stage was at the end of one of our sketches that I admittedly forgot that I was supposed to be in when I rolled up for tech rehearsal that night. Yeah. Oh, buddy, buddy. Yeah, but I think Ted wrote that. No, I know. I wrote that. Yeah, oh. no, you and wrote Brandon, that. I love you, buddy. You blew it. I you- did. You made it uncomfortable. You but should have been very, British. At, at the very end, I had to call the audience cunts, and uh, I've never felt more hated. And if you were British, it would have gone better, yeah. Um, Absolutely, it would have. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> uh, I mean, you say that, though, but the reason I mentioned Will is because Brandon did write a sketch in which Will had to take his dick out on stage at the oh. end. So. That's true, I did. So you're so so you can say that, but I want you to know that Brandon has already set that low bar. Well, I I I probably teched that show, so I'm sure I've seen that dick. Brandon, what, what was this? What was the sketch? What was the sketch? You- it was the Santa. It was the mall Santa hiding in the old mine shaft in the mall. Yeah, I I wrote a sketch for Gunslinger about. I must uh, have teched that show. You you probably did. You teched for Gunslinger, right? Yeah. Yeah, then yeah, you probably did. It was the one where it was the like 
mall security guard being trained and the guy was like well you know here's the jc pennies and here's the chick-fil-a and here's the uh, abandoned mine shaft and it's just going into the logic of of an abandoned mine shaft in a mall um but yeah will morgan had his dick out and you know that's not to say that uh the one tantrum show since I've been on the team that I wasn't able to do had a sketch about the police, the band that you yes. wrote where yes. you did not get a single police member and their instrument. Correct. No, I did not. And, and I, I will also say that sketch did not work, but in my defense, uh, it had a bunch of tech cues that I did not want in it. The, whoever was directing that month was like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta have extra tech cues and you gotta have the tech booth do it. And I was like, no, I don't want the tech booth doing anything. I want, and he, we ended up doing it, and they ended up like skipping like two tracks on the fucking tech script, and they fucked the whole sketch, and it did not work at all. And it also wasn't wasn't a funny sketch. It wasn't a funny sketch. I was in the audience, and it was weird to watch. And I was the per- I, Brandon wasn't even there, I don't think, but for some reason I was. Oh no, he was there. No, I was there because I was I was angrily texting Brian. I leave for one goddamn month, and this is what happens. I was texting jokes directly. I was posting jokes directly to the TPT group where I said like, "Oh, Brandon leaves for one month, and Tantrum doesn't know the uh, <laughs> members of the police." Uh, I could be wrong, but if I remember correctly, you left the show and came backstage after the sketch, which I believe was the opening sketch, or maybe the second sketch, and you came... I waited I waited until the show was over, please. Give okay. me more credit than that. I think it's just that you guys were up. It was before you had your own show, so you guys were up yeah. first. It was still a sketch night show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so you guys were up first, so he came back during he came back during the break between the two teams. That's what it was. <laughs> I like stormed into the dressing room, was like, I leave for one goddamn month. Who's responsible for this? Oh, Although if, making, if you were there, pizza rolls. Oh shit! I hear that em, microwave. Em, oh, sorry. Emma's microwaving <laughs> uh, heating pads. All right, Brandon. What about you? Uh, yeah, if you want to find more of my mess across the internet, you could go to at Hell Yes Brandon. On all of uh, the Lord's various hell sites. Um, Inkblot is on uh, SoundCloud and YouTube. We've got some live shows. We've got our EP. We've got our uh, Buck Wild Tom Waits cover that I blew oh, my voice on. out singing. Where, where the fuck are you doing live shows with your band? Oh, no. We, oh, they, no, no, no. YouTube. They have on YouTube some oh, old right. shows. Yeah. Okay, no, okay. They're not, they haven't even played together in like a year. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was gonna be like, what are you doing, doing live shows right now, dude? Nah, dog. Brian, I have been fucking fiending to play a show for a, over a year now. Oh, I believe you. Man. Though we're getting our first vaccines tomorrow morning. Oh, congratulations! That's awesome. I'm getting my second one on Monday. Um, nice. Yeah, I think it's as as long as we've been going through this bullshit, like the 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 turnaround seems to be happening at such fucking yeah, screechingly speed. It's also the absolute wild west out here in LA, y'all. So I don't know. Be safe. Get a, get a shot if you can. Yeah, yeah. Because you probably can find a way to get a shot by now. Yeah. Well, it's it's supposed to be opening up to. I mean, this is not important to the podcast, but it's supposed to be opening up to everybody in the next like few weeks. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. By the time this comes out, ideally, it'll be open to everyone. This isn't coming out for a few weeks, so. Nice. So yeah, uh, I think that's uh, I think that's all I've got. Beth, what about you? 
Uh, yeah, you can find me all over the internet at, at B scores, B E E S C O R E S with an underscore after the S. Uh, but the easiest way to find me is to pol- is to follow the show online, uh, which is at IntuitPod on Twitter and hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram. We're also at I think you could be into it on Facebook if you get any mileage out of that. Uh, also, thank you, as always, to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, Off the Album, Falling is Like Flying. That's all I got. I'm not doing shit. It's great. <laughs> Woo! Uh, b- before before we go, can I j- just plead with the audience? Uh, Absolutely. Don't be, don't, don't be an asshole. Like, be, be nice, please. Please be nice yeah, to right? people. Um, yeah, right? Defund the police means we don't act like cops to each other. There's there's no reason to be an asshole. Uh, you can be a nice person, and um, you'll be you'll be okay. Like, we're gonna be able to see fine. each other again soon, and just like be chill, my babies. Yeah, and if you see me at a bus stop, yeah, I'll kiss you. <laughs> there you go. He's gonna be fully vaccinated soon, ladies. Get out there. Because you know when, uh, uh, when you're vaccinated, you are safe to smooch. TM, yeah. TM. TM. I'm gonna make a bunch of T-shirts that say "Safe to Smooch." I mean, we're we're already married and been quarantining together for a year, babe. But thank you. Yeah, but I want to smooch musel. Smooch Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm I'm happy. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, sketch sketch smooches are again allowed. I'm pretty sure most of the members of Tantrum have kissed on stage at some point or another. That would be fair. <laughs> Without a doubt, there's going to be a day where we show up to a tantrum meeting and there's an infant sitting on the, the coffee table of Andrew Fernandez and nobody knows who the father or the mother is, but we're all <laughs> going to have to take care of it. And it's just going to be Cheyenne in a uh, with a pacifier and a diaper. <laughs> yeah. And please believe I'm going to raise her to the best of my abilities. Oh, you're well, a good dad, Brian. Yeah, we always need to be a good mom, buddy. <laughs> I'm trying my best, you know. So, yeah, um, all that being said... Podcast 24.